Hi everyone and welcome back to the Cerning Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host Ant and you join me today for episode 113, which is entitled From Pandemic to Endemic, <coughs> excuse me, The Collapsing Covid Narrative. So thank you all for uh, joining me today for this particular recording. Uh, it's been a while so it's uh, it's good to be back. So since I was last with you, of course, um, a hell of a lot has been happening with regards to the dreaded Rona coronavirus. And principally, uh, in today's episode, and it's going to be quite a lengthy one, I think, um, what I want to share with you all is this idea of what appears to be, within the, uh, within the mainstream media, is a, a backtracking and um, almost like a, as if there's... Um, they're now da- downplaying the severity of, of the virus and um, in certain countries, I'm going to principally talk about here in the UK, obviously because I live in England, we've seen a lot of um, restricting, a lot of, sorry, I should say lifting of a lot of the uh, COVID restrictions. So it does appear as if from uh, my perspective here, as I was saying in England, um, that um, there's a dam- damage limitation exercise underway and uh, it's all about now downplaying coronavirus and it is it's very interesting because uh, it's almost as if a memo has gone round from the globalists um, to the Prime Minister Boris Johnson and there's been a, a complete uh, a complete shift really it's it's fascinating to watch so um, what I want to talk about yeah is is why this is going on and um, because of course at the same time we've still got certain countries like uh, in Quebec, in Canada, uh, in the Northern Territories, in Australia and of course in uh, New Zealand uh, where that wretched woman, woman, uh, use that phrase uh, advisedly, (laughs) that creature, Jacinda Ahern has recently uh, increased uh, the COVID restrictions um, to the degree that I believe lockdowns for people now who come in contact with people who have coronavirus is now 24 days. And of course, in certain countries in Europe, like Greece and Italy, they're apparently fining people who haven't taken the fake COVID vaccine. So it's still a it's still a kind of mixed picture. Um, but first of all, let's just look at some examples of uh, British media and uh, media from uh, the US as well. Um, just to give examples of how we've had this um, quite dramatic shift in the messaging around uh, coronavirus. So a Guardian article, um, and I quote, uh, said, end mass jabs and live with COVID, says head ex-head of vaccine task force sorry that was uh, an article uh, in the guardian and he went on to say we need to treat covid like flu well hello that's what the likes of us have been saying since march 2020 but there you go uh, in forbes magazine there was said um why endemic covid19 will be cause for celebration that was the title of the uh, article and it went on to say within the article endemic COVID-19 will be no worse than seasonal flu. And we've seen similar messaging across media outlet, which is rather curious, uh, CNBC. I quote, the COVID pandemic could end next year, experts say, 
here's what that looks like and how the US could get there. And that was uh, back in December the 9th last year. And also we had from CNBC, Omicron could burn through the US and potentially hasten the COVID pandemic's end, says expert. Channel 4 News at the beginning of January here in the UK, COVID, COVID in 2022 means learning to live with the virus. And also specifically with regards to the UK government, they're currently preparing to release a strategy document entitled Living with COVID. So I've just given some examples there of um, the uh, shift in the mainstream narrative and basically saying the types of things, as I just said, that anyone with uh, common sense uh, looking at the coronavirus um, through a balance from a sorry from a balanced perspective was saying from the start. So what why is this happening? Um, it can't be that the media and the globalists have suddenly you know had their road to Damascus moment and they're now suddenly admitting the truth with regards to coronavirus. I'm sure that isn't going on. I'm going to look at that a little bit more in a wee while the actual uh, what might be the real agenda here and what's going on so back to here in the uk so a couple of uh real quite uh significant disclosures which again uh pointed to um how the mainstream media are, are changing their tone with regards to coronavirus so about a few weeks ago now three or four weeks ago just after christmas into the new year there was a uk sky news a report um, that went out and it was shared by Sky News bizarrely on Twitter. Now, you may have heard of this, but it was a hospital consultant um, who was in conversation with the uh, UK Health Secretary, Savid Javid. Now, he'd uh, gone to the hospital, obviously, for a government PR coup, speak to some staff who would obviously, he would think, say, yes, we approve of the vaccine and it's, it's doing great things to curtail the virus. Now, unfortunately, or Savvy Javid, he spoke to a, a, a hospital consultant who actually said he disagrees with compulsory vaccines for NHS staff. And he went on to say that he hasn't had the vaccine, although he doesn't necessarily disagree with the vaccines. He said that because he's had coronavirus, he believes that the antibodies give him greater protection than the vaccines would. And the vaccines, obviously, as we're told, constantly need to be updated whereas uh, protection from the antibodies give him longer-term protection. Now, the curious thing with this was, this wasn't uh, buried in the news. This went out on Sky News, and they shared it on their own Twitter feed. And yet, as I was saying, it's a huge PR own goal for the government. But why wasn't it censored? And again, it marks a clear turning point, as if um, within the mainstream media, they've been told <laughs> about what's acceptable. It's now acceptable to steer the general public in a direction whereby um, they are focused on not promoting fear about COVID and getting them to accept that it really is just nothing more than a, uh, a particular strain of seasonal flu, which of course anyone with half a brain cell has known from the beginning. So also something else that was interesting, we had in the UK uh, there's a government department that goes, is paraphrased, you might have heard of it. Um, it's like a, a psychological department, psyops if you like, um, whereby they try and manipulate public opinion and it's known as the nudge unit. 
and obviously um, what it should really be known as is a government department tasked with spreading fear and propaganda. Now the head of this so-called nudge unit in a Daily Mail article here in the UK he, he came out and admitted that the messaging was over the top and it was uh, unnecessary to spread all this fear and propaganda. Uh, in recent days we've also had um, I believe it's 40 MPs who've signed a document here criticising um, the nudge unit for um, the propaganda that they were spreading at the height of coronavirus and lockdowns and comparing it with what you would see in China. Again, that's what we were all saying at the time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that now um, MPs and certain public figures deem it safe to raise their head above the parapet and start to question uh, COVID, the official COVID narrative, which we've been doing for 10 years and being accused of being conspiracy theorists, now it's acceptable to do so. More of these craven, as I say, politicians are raising, excuse the plane overhead, <laughs> uh, are now it's safe, they've put their finger to the wind and it's changed. It just shows you how um, spineless these people are, these politicians. Why weren't they saying this before? Anyway, something else that um, may well have um, hastened the globalist attempt to begin to downplay uh, coronavirus and its effects. Um, certainly here in the UK and certain other countries, I know in Denmark they've recently announced that they're going to end all of their restrictions, but it's still very much a mixed picture. As I said at the beginning, if you're living in Quebec, if you're living in the Northern Territories, if you're living in New Zealand, right now listen to this you probably would want to rip, rip off my head because they're going in the other direction see so yeah, I was just saying an interesting thing that you may well have become aware of in the alternative media there was a massive propaganda coup for those of us trying to get the truth about coronavirus out there it was Joe Rogan's interview with Robert Malone and as you know he's one of the inventors of the mRNA vaccines so it was a massive propaganda coup to get and to get a solid gold insider come out and say he was critical of the rollout of the vaccines and that it should never have been used for coronavirus, especially not with children. And you may or may not have seen this video, but it went viral, million, I believe over a million views. And so finally, um, it really was uh, a turning point because how could uh, anyone looking at this in the mainstream media, uh, how could they um, put Robert Malone in the category of, a, of an anti-vaxxer or a conspiracy theorist when he actually was part of the team that invented the mRNA uh, vaccine? Now, I know for certain um, truthers, hysterical truthers who get easily triggered, they claim that this is just a distraction, that Robert Malone is controlled opposition I think this is a mistake. I don't agree with this. I think that it was it marks a real a real victory for the forces of sanity and, and truth and freedom. And um, you know we need to take uh, we need to take these victories when we get them really. And not I mean I'm the first to be quite cynical about things, but sometimes we need to accept that not everything um, not everything is controlled in the media and not everything is part of some clandestine plot to confuse and derail people seeking truth and uh, freedom. So I've just shared just a wee small example of 
the massive shift in the media's COVID messaging. Uh, and I'm sure you probably have many of your own anecdotes. And we're also seeing public figures change their tune and uh, coming out and beginning to, to question things. Yeah, like I was just saying, now it's, uh, now it's safe to do so. So let's, um, let's begin to consider what, what is actually going, going on here. Is there a deliberate attempt by the globalists to seek an exit route, as I said at the beginning, from, from the scamdemic, plandemic, whatever you would call it? Is it a strategic move on their part? Is it just a brief pause before the fear is ramped back up again? It's difficult to know. Uh, and I know there's some people in the alternative media, some content creators who are saying, aha, don't be fooled, they're going to come back with a real virus next time and um, that's going to kill off all the people that have A, either been vaccinated or B, haven't been vaccinated. I mean, my perspective is uh, we should be cautious, rightly so, but also sometimes um, a win is a win. <laughs> A win is a win at the end of the day. And, um, you know, sometimes it is is good to to celebrate uh, victories and to dispense with uh, one's own cynicism. And I say that advisab advisably, sorry, in terms of the mixed message that's currently going on in the world. But here in, here in England, we've um, had the end of work from home directive. Uh, the end of, um, this was all last Wednesday, uh, 19th of January, we had the announcement of the end of mask mandates in all locations. People are free to wear them if they choose. Um, the scrapping of COVID vaccine passports, but apparently businesses can still use them if they choose. But however, testing and self-isolation measures are still in place. And probably the same in your own country, this being the case, Travel restrictions for the unvaccinated remain in place. So although we are seeing the release of uh, restrictions, sorry, the lessening, loosening, I should say, of restrictions, it's still um, still not a complete clean sweep back to where we were in March 2020. And also, of course, with the whole uh, ending of the work from home directive, I know people who are extremely stressed about the thought of going back to the office because for quite you know several months now they've been used to working from home and now the thought of the daily commute which might be a few hours in worst worst case scenario and of course having to having to um have those uh conversations with colleagues that you don't get on with it can be really difficult it can induce a lot of stress and i think you know is this part of deliberate government gas lighting and that they've got people used to this whole idea of well you can't get out there and because you're going to spread coronavirus and now there is this move or sense of trying to get things back to normal certainly with regards to this ending of the work from home directive so again it's uh, it's difficult to know how much this is actually uh, a policy to help people or not and uh, yeah it's it's um from my perspective, I'm just trying to keep uh, keep um, the middle kind of a middle perspective, really, which is uh, I'm aware of the fact it might just be part of some plot to confuse to confuse us, 
So we take our foot off the gas, we stop sharing important information, we stop protesting, we stop, um, you know, uh, pointing out to people, sharing information, the truth as we see it, and we become complacent. So um, on the one hand, I'm aware of that, but on the other hand, I'm thinking sometimes we just need to give ourselves a break and go, well, this this shows you in some sense the power of public protest, the power the the power of what happens when when we do push back against government tyranny, and it just shows you that perhaps the globalists have um, overplayed their hand. I think they have. I think they've uh, misread the situation. I believe in their arrogance and hubris. I believe that they uh, that they would get far greater compliance. I believe that they thought more people would go along and get the fake vaccines in a lot of instances, um, probably just in order to, to travel, to fly. I think they, they thought that that alone, that restriction would compel and coerce a lot of people into complying. So just back to the situation here in the UK, um, I know that um, obviously uh, on discerning consciousness, I always point out that um, Politics is a kind of dead end game, and uh, there's no point in entering local politics to change uh, the world or change um, change humanity's plight, if you will. Because um, once you get into politics, um, you get compromised. I think it's important to take uh, to take consideration of um, just the lie of the political situation here in England, because. Um, Within the Conservative Party, there has been quite a lot of opposition to COVID restrictions. Um, recently, uh, 100 Tory MPs voted against the most recent implementation of Plan B measures. Now, so on the one hand, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson could not sustain these restrictions without threatening to destroy his own position and split the Conservative Party. So the, le- the lessening or loosening of restrictions in England, at least, does appear to be mainly politically uh, politically motivated and also the COVID uh, emergency parliamentary legislation which was first brought in uh, at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic in March 2020 that's been renewed uh, six monthly since then and it's due to be renewed again at the end of March 2022. Now although he could get that through Parliament because most Labour MPs, being the spineless, craven leftists um, that they are, they would vote for it, which means it would get through. A lot of Tory MPs would not vote for it. So, again, that would bring uh, his position into into question and also the very future of the Tory party because for a lot of Tory MPs, this is um, this is a real red line for them. Now, the other interesting thing is um, the COVID vaccinations, the fake vaccinations, uh, only have emergency approvals. So they can only be administered to the general public if this uh, COVID legislation is in place. So that may be one of the reasons why they're lessening now all talk of um, mandatory vaccinations. We're having less talk in the media about anti-vaxxers, etc., etc. It's still going on but not to the extreme level that it was before this sort of memo went out from the globalists. So that's another interesting thing to consider, that if there are going to be 
uh, further rollout of um, boosters too uh, in the England in the UK as well then this emergency uh, legislation would need to be extended for another six months so this brings me to the issue of jabs and the boosters now the rhetoric with regards to this is also fading we're seeing far fewer stories in the mainstream news about you know you need to get your booster jab you need to do your bit for um, for the whole of society to protect other people instead I'm definitely seeing less posters when I'm out and about out and about as well and last week um, there was a I happened to unfortunately see the ITV news I know terrible here in the UK and there is a report from a vaccination centre and they were doing a story about the boosters and they actually admitted oh it's been empty all day so again what the likes of us have been saying how this uptake of the booster jab is nowhere near the figures being released by governments and uh, scientific bodies around the world basically don't uh, bear any uh, resemblance to truth so the fact that the mainstream media a main news outlet is actually admitting the truth again shows how a memo's gone out and they're being told the mainstream media to begin to begin downplaying coronavirus we also had uh, one of the main government spokespeople uh, one of their scientific advisors, Sir Patrick Valance, he came out recently and said it's not realistic to uh, vaccinate people every six months. So what we're seeing also here in England, UK, is the control of big pharma to direct government policy is, seems to begin, is beginning to fade. And I think what's, what I'm hearing from my own anecdotes, sorry, from friends and families, a lot of people had accepted the need, perhaps for two jabs, but the booster was just one jab too far, really. And I and this brings me back to what I was saying about the globalists having overplayed their hand, or should I say, big pharma. <laughs> it's a part of the same network of people, of course, having um, overplayed their hand. And um, you know, as we've known from the start, greed and corporate corruption was driving was principally driving the agenda. So it's not only um, the failure of the booster campaign, which I believe has led here in the UK to them pulling back, because it did look like um, we were heading towards a lot of other, like a lot of other countries in Europe and the wider world, of making the uh, fake vaccines um, compulsory. But it didn't. It didn't come to that. Of course, the government have already, haven't already announced that for the care sector. And um, for the NHS, so anyone employed by the NHS, I'm not sure, I don't think it applies to admin staff, I'm not sure, but all medical and frontline staff, if they're not vaccinated by April the 1st, then they face losing their jobs. And there's between about 80,000 and 100,000 staff who haven't done so. It may well be more than that because they're official figures. So maybe the government will backtrack on that. We don't know. So watch this space on that. So, and also with regards to the um, first two fake vaccines, information's come into light that as many as 20 million UK adults are unvaccinated. Now, again, this is what I predicted at the start. In other words, it would be about um, a two-third and third split. So about a third of the adult UK population remain unvaccinated. And I think a lot of people, you know, they haven't gone online necessarily and shared their disquiet or their uh, anger at um, 
the rollout of fake vaccines. I think a lot of people have just kept kept their vaccine status quiet for fear of ridicule, persecution, persecution, and ostracization. And again, that's something else I predicted that a lot of people would, you know, just keep it on the low, so to speak. So um, yeah, I'm not surprised at all um, that it's as many as 20 million. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of those that are vaccinated probably quite a few of them didn't really in their heart of hearts want to but they were put under pressure by society for all the propaganda for all the programming for all the fear coercion perhaps they have loved ones who weren't happy at their vac status and perhaps um they just um yeah they just felt the need to get it in order to just feel part of society or perhaps just to fly anyway why is this um why is this important um, it, it, again, it, it proves sorry, that government official stats, not only with regards to coronavirus deaths and cases, uh, but also with regards to the amount of people that have been jabbed, proves that official stats are nothing but lies and that the disgraceful, hateful, discriminatory propaganda directed against so-called anti-vaxxers actually failed spectacularly spectacularly and i think all of those who are involved should actually be prosecuted and i mean even the actors and actresses that appeared in these disgraceful commercials that have pumped so much fear into people and the, me the media's portrayal of anti-vaxxers being crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists has actually backfired and that's really good to see and again it 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 reminds me a message that I keep banging on about to apologise on discerning consciousness is these dark forces, the globalists, these are other foundations and groups and quangos and government bureaucracies and government spooks, all these all these forces for darkness, the umbrella term, they're not quite as powerful as we make out. And the last two years have proven this and more and more people are waking up and more and more people are beginning to think for themselves. So far from being a crazy, irrational minority, the likes of us, it turns out we're at least a third of the adult population. So we are winning this battle uh, at the end of the day. Now, um, so something else that I want to uh, refer to in terms of why there appears to be this backtracking from government in terms of COVID restrictions and the downplaying of it within the media is more and more people just worked out that the vaccines don't actually work because so many people who are vaccinated are still testing positive for coronavirus and becoming ill and being admitted to hospital. So again, this this scamdemic, and I thought this from the very beginning, that it does have a limited shelf life because when you're lying to that degree, you can only get away with it for so long and also more broadly I just want to look at um, there was a deliberate de deliberate attempt by the globalists and the political stooges to victimize the unvaccinated and I think that still there is this attempt to almost create a situation within society and I don't say this lightly because it's quite a stark thing to say but to create a type of war between the unvaccinated and the so-called anti-vaxxers refuseniks and um, 
recently we had the likes of Macron coming out saying that the unvaccinated do not are not worthy of French citizenship. We had that criminal Trudeau in Canada using extremely provocative language saying the unvaccinated are racist, misogynistic and homophobic. It's absolutely ridiculous claims. Again, which is trying to... They're using this inflammatory sorry, language to create hatred against people who've just chosen not to, um, not to uh, take a medical procedure. And I think this has all been done with the intention of trying to incite the kind of uh, violent attacks on people who've chosen not to be vaccinated. Now, luckily, they haven't, they haven't managed to, to bring that about. And I'm really pleased to say it, to see this. Okay. We, you know, we've seen stories of people shouted out for not wearing them, um, for not wearing masks, uh, in shops and, and all the, and all the rest of it. And, uh, so it's really positive to see that in spite of all the propaganda, in spite of their hateful language, we haven't seen attacks on unvaccinated people. As far as I know, I could be wrong. And their hateful, disgraceful narrative is failing. And it's really good to see. And also, it really, I think it's comparable. It puts me in mind of just like uh, George Soros funded BLM and Antifa and their attempt to instigate race wars in the wake of the US election and the incident with George Floyd. It hasn't worked. Now, of course, racial tensions exist in the US and, and across the world. And we're not going to go into that. But I think in the in the wake of the US election, there was an attempt to in, instigate uh, a massive, you know, violent sort of insurrection, if you will. And it's failed. It's failed. As I say, George Soros's funded stooges in BLM and anti Antifa have failed. That doesn't mean they, they won't try again to set certain cities alight in the US and in Europe. But so far, they have largely failed. And that is really, really uh, encouraging to see. And once again, that these globalist forces, they're not omnipotent. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't have total power to control um, all events that occur in the world. So, you know, when you're having days, when you're getting depressed, with regards to coronavirus and all of the scams and all, all of the lies, just remember that then the, the forces for good, for freedom and justice. I do believe that we are that we are in the ascendancy and, and hopefully in Quebec, in the Northern Territories, in Australia, in New Zealand and in parts of Europe where these insane restrictions are in place. Hopefully in the coming weeks and months, they will be removed. And hopefully all the criminals who've imposed these, including the politicians, including those who do not have a public face, hopefully they will um, they will face uh, criminal prosecution um, for what they've done. So there's something else I want to um, speak about is uh, why the COVID narrative has started to un unravel. And again, this specifically re relates to my own experience, my own anecdotal experience here in England. It might be similar in your own country where you're listening, or it might not. So from about Christmas or the run up to Christmas, there was a shift, really, uh, an emphasis. Um, so the UK government announced that there weren't going to be any lockdowns over Christmas into, year, into New Year, but 
basically they encouraged people to test before take before attending any social events so what we saw was that obviously with the fake tests a massive increase in cases uh, so this attempt to, to ramp up the fear from government uh, by getting everyone to test so there'd be a massive increase in cases actually has backfired because so many people tested positive for covid that had no symptoms or just symptoms of a, a mild cold so what has happened really and i've seen this since christmas so about a month on the fear the fear just isn't there anymore or at least not to the same degree within the general public and it's become a little covid really is becoming a little bit of a standing joke now of course you still got the covid idiots those members of the covid cult who still um you know wash down their shopping and uh, use anti-vax every second every minute of every day but i think the hardcore the general public now it's just become to saying a bit of a joke people say well i want to test positive so they can get time off work they almost feel left out if they haven't if they haven't tested positive for for covid so in this type of environment it's very difficult for the government to keep pushing the fear porn agenda and I think that's why the message has gone out for the, the media, the mainstream media, to begin to tone down on it all. And I've even noticed um, when walking on the streets, people no longer jump jump out of the pavement or the sidewalk, as you call it on the States, into the road to avoid me uh, and other people. Maybe I've just, um, maybe I've got some decent aftershave at Christmas, I don't know. But and you, And I've noticed when I've been in shops and when you're in sort of crowded and semi-crowded areas, people aren't. They're not um, moving, uh, they're not keeping so much of a distance as if everyone's got the plague. So in that kind of environment uh, where the government basically shot themselves in the foot, of course with Omicron as well, that as something else that um, the globalists and the World Health Organization, were, they, they were using it, I think, to ramp up the COVID agenda towards the end of last year. But, you know, divine intervention maybe and all that, it actually helped to lessen the worst effects of coronavirus although it uh, allegedly made it more transmissible so again not everything that the globalists and their cohort do you know they don't every not everything that they do comes out how they planned it's a constantly it's a bit like a game of chess what's going on with the coronavirus and i do think if you think of chess we've definitely taken definitely uh taken a lot more of the globalist pieces for sure that's definitely going on and it's going to be a long game. Of course, it's going to be a hell of a long game of chess. But I think you know we have, as I was saying before, we have uh, we have reason to uh, we have reason to to celebrate. And this really links into another point I want to make is with regards to uh, the unraveling uh, narrative. Government can only really manipulate stats for for a limited amount of time, as I was saying, because as a deception as huge as huge as coronavirus only has uh, has a an expiry date and eventually this is an important point eventually people need to see evidence of a real pandemic they need to see dead bodies piled up they need to see you know numerous funeral uh, funeral hearse uh, driving past them they need to see cemeteries full of um, new plots so just from my own uh, anecdotal evidence, about once a month, 
I visit my dad's grave, and there's been there's been no uh, extra plots that you would believe in a pandemic. If we were in a real pandemic, you would have seen local authorities, local councils across the country. They would be commandeering land to bury people. I mean, we're all well aware of this, but for the mass of the general population, I think that's why uh, the government's having to tone down the messaging or the media are being told to do that. And they're lessening some of the re restrictions, I hasten to add. Not every, not all of them, certainly. And every scam, every psychological operation in history has an expiry date, especially something on this huge scale. And I said that in my recording or episode I did uh, relating the COVID scamdemic to 9-11 and how 9-11, um, they basically, within a few months, the media attention had moved on to other things. So people's focus was on other events, other global events, whereas this has just been day after day for two years and eventually, eventually it would have to be scaled back, the narrative and the media, as they're doing now, the media now are focusing more on green issues, the whole woke agenda, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch. And it's important to consider even government scientists uh, were having to admit that Omicron had weakened the potency of the virus. And a lot of these government scientists, what we've got to remember, these people aren't aware of being within a massive psychological operation to lie to the general public about the severity of coronavirus. And they're not part of, um, part of the conspiracy, if you like. They're not aware of being part of this conspiracy. So the government has said all along, well, we, we're following the science. So they're kind of like kind of hoist by their own petard, really, in, in effect. And otherwise, if they'd carried on, certainly here in, in England and in the UK, if they'd carried on manipulating the figures, even their own scientists at SAGE would have gone, hold on a minute, what you're saying isn't actually true. Now, the government could have carried on doing that, but they were in danger of sort of red-pilling their own scientists, uh, which would have been really laughable, which again just points to that any lie, fraud, corruption, deception, you can only, you can only keep it in play for so long. You know, it's not something that can just play out indefinitely. Now, another important thing to consider internationally is... Um, is this, um, you know, this is what uh, quite a lot of commentators um, in the alternative media are considering right now. So it's worth talking about. Is this a planned retreat by the globalists and their political puppets? Maybe it was always a planned to be a two-year business model. I think there's a, an interview with that delightful character, Kill Gates, saying that COVID would, would fade into obscurity by March 2022 so we don't know you know and other people are speculating that the dark forces have, have some secret nefarious plan and we're simply seeing the end of part A and, and, and part B will be even more hideous and the point is we're never going to really know uh, to be honest um, and as I was saying before let's just celebrate whilst remaining cautious and vigilant and vigilant because uh, as we know the psychopaths they certainly haven't uh, had their 
road to Damascus moment and developed a conscious and now showing showing contrition, we know that is just completely unrealistic. But uh, as I was saying before, it's important that we do certain times so we don't get consumed by the darkness to acknowledge a victory is a victory. And there is still continuing massive pushback. Uh, and also, I think it's uh, another important thing was to consider is, I should say, I think they've, as I've said before, the globalists, they've overplayed their hand with coronavirus. I think they've run the PSYOP a lot sooner than they would have done. I think they've pushed a lot of the extreme measures, which are still seen in certain places, far too quickly and far too extensively, to the point where the veneer of democracy and freedom in so-called countries with democracies is absolutely being trashed. Now, if you're... Um, if you're trying to steer society in a certain direction whilst hiding your true intentions, whilst hiding what you're actually doing from behind the scenes, if you like, they've done, you know, what they've actually done is really stupid and idiotic. And, and they're getting sloppy now. And it's almost as if they're, they're having to push things a lot quicker than they would have liked. And this means that they're just uh, evil, really. It's being exposed with total clarity, like never before. And some people have argued this is just part of the, of the plan because um, they want to know, they want us to know who they are and they want us to know what they're doing to us in some sort of macabre, masochistic sense. Um, I don't really agree with that. I think power structures and power generally wants to hide its criminal actions because that way it can more easily um, maintain its power. So I I think the globalists are panicking and I think the uh, global awakening that many people talk about is growing massively right now and I think they're, they're running scared and that is part of one of the reasons why here in the UK some of the Covid measures are being dropped. So as I said in my last recording about 2022 being a critical year, being a tipping point, a turning point, I think already we can see that that is the case. And as the year develops, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what develops. I just want to final point I want to make is that um, whilst uh, remaining vigilant with regards to co coronavirus and all the government shenanigans, it's uh it's important to be aware of some precedents that have been set during the pandemic and their impact on society. And I say this not because I want to spread fear, but we also have to be aware of the, the reality within society. So, of course, lockdowns have now set a, temp a template for future fake green agenda lockdowns. You could have situations where cities who exceed their agreed carbon emissions they go into lockdowns as punishment, if you like. So now that, that idea has been seeded in the human global consciousness. Now, I'm not saying that that is definitely going to happen, but we need to be aware of, uh, you know, um, future potential timelines. And um, something else, of course, the whole work from home, which here in the UK they seem, they seem to be railing back on. But anyway, certainly it's been set as a template or a precedent and this idea of 
working from home means living from home, ordering everything from home, and this idea of pod living, of course, and these ideas contained within the main themes of the World Economic Forum, of course, that dreaded phrase, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. So in some sense, COVID has just accelerated this process, especially, especially in the urban areas. So I think it's important for us as things do begin to open up in societies and countries where that is happening, I have to point that out, to resist a very human urge to always give in to convenience and to get back to our us, our commitments, our, our social groups and all the rest of it, if we've, um, if we've uh, kind of through no fault of our own had to have to have had, sorry, to let those go, is to get back to that, to go back to being sociable. Um, because I think part of the coronavirus, the fallout, is the political class, the globalists want us to be like these um, people who very rarely get out living in their pods. So it's important if the political situation allows to get out and be social, because I think that really is, um, that does, that does uh, act as a, that is a rebellious act during these times to be a social human being. I think something else to, which is important to consider the legacy of the coronavirus is that millions more people are now totally reliant on government welfare payments. Therefore, a lot more people are reliant upon the system for their very basic needs, such as food and energy. And again, we need to we need to be aware of this. And I think this is obviously this was planned. I think this was a nefarious element of the last two years because obviously if you're reliant on government welfare paychecks then you're much more reliant on the whims of government and it's much more difficult to live outside the system so i would say from a globalist perspective that is definitely um, a huge victory and um, we need to look more and more towards uh, joining together with people and trying to create um, I know it's not easy and not a lot of people are saying this but we need to endeavor to meet people in the flesh and to try and create parallel society um, parallel societies and uh, work together and pull our resources because I'm sure now as the COVID narrative shifts one of the things that I'm picking up here in the UK it's all about the economic disasters to come. Uh, we've got the massive increase in gas and fuel prices and, and electric to come in the spring. So that will become a new theme within the media is the post-COVID economic collapse, like you had the obviously the years of austerity following the banking crisis around about 2008, 2008, 2009. So there are still a lot of um, very disturbing a very disturbing fallout from coronavirus so we have to be aware of that we can't be blind and ignorant to those basic facts so i think i'll just round things up by way of a conclusion in today's uh, political uh, exploration of coronavirus so obviously millions more people are now aware of government lie of how government lie and use propaganda to scare the people into submitting to their own nefarious agendas uh, so whatever the next mass fear-inducing event is, whether it's 
fake green, whether it's uh, environment related or whether it's another fake vac fake virus, fake vaccine. A lot more of the population are going to be wise to the scams, to the schemes and to the agendas. So that's a good thing. And they're going to be much more aware of, you know, they're going to be a lot more aware of just how the media messaging works to manipulate uh, public perception. So that's a good thing that more people are going to be aware of that. As I was saying the globalists and the politicians, they have um, really overplayed their hand. So it will be fascinating to see how the narr narrative changes in the coming weeks and months. And hopefully those c countries where the extreme restrictions are still in place, hopefully they will be released. So thank you all for listening for just today for my take on the collapsing COVID narrative the shifting messaging within the mainstream messaging and why that might be happening and why there in certain countries there's a lifting of COVID restrictions. So I just want to leave you um, with an update on my other uh, online content. I've been doing quite a lot of YouTube videoing videos lately, so go and check that out. It's just Discerning Consciousness podcast and that will... That will um, you will find my YouTube channel. I did a couple of interesting videos about the whole Ferrara with regards to Novak Djokovic and his attempt to um, to circumnavigate the tyrannical regime in Australia. So yeah, that was a quite an interesting look at that situation. So thank you all for tuning in today and uh, I hope you all are well and I'll speak to you all again soon. Bye bye for now. Thank you.